as we continue our series, Growing in the Gap, and we'll explain a little bit more about that in just a second. Ecclesiastes chapter number three, I'm going to pick up in verse number one. The Bible says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plan and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. (laughs) Brother Michael, you made me laugh on that one. There is a time to refrain from embracing, and that's right now. When we come back, we're going to make chapter 3, verse 5, one of our key verses. Brother Michael was right on the same wavelength I was, and I was holding it together until I heard him laugh, so blame him for that. Brother Michael, you're off the show now. Verse number 6, and a time to get and a time to lose, and a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Verse 9, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Now watch verse number 11. It'll be our key text tonight. The Bible says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. There's that word again. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to work in his word and through his word. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, we could preach for months, maybe years, just on the verses we read. Uh, But Lord, one verse you want us to speak about tonight. And I pray that you'd help us to say exactly what you'd have us to say the way you'd have us to say it. And Lord, I just trust and look forward to what the Holy Spirit's going to do well beyond my words. And Lord, I pray you'd work in our heart to see the truth uh, tonight that you'd have us to share. I pray your will be done. And I pray during the invitation time, we would take care of business with you. And I thank you for what you're going to do. And I trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, we're going to continue our series, Growing in the Gap, and uh, I've introduced it several different ways and explained it in several different ways, and basically what we're looking at in this series is what we must do to make it through. I wrote that out of my notes today, kind of rhymes, I'm not a poet, but an easy way to remember tonight that Growing in the Gap is where we're looking at how to grow through or to go through, to make it through whatever we have to in order to get from where we are at to where God would have us to be. I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure you've experienced it in your life that Satan does not give up easy. Uh, Satan starts before we ever get saved, trying to prevent us from getting saved. If he can't prevent us from getting saved, uh, then he tries to prevent us from seeking the Lord after we get saved. If he can't prevent us from doing that, then he tries to prevent us from serving the Lord. If he can't prevent us from doing that, uh, he tries to get us to stay where we are and not move forward in the will of God for our life. And ultimately, it's Satan's desire that he desires to present, uh, prevent us from succeeding. And I have found he will not quit until we do. And sadly, oftentimes we quit, and therefore he leaves us alone. Now, we looked at several weeks ago patience, and we looked at persistence and how we can grow through the gap and in the gap. But tonight, we're going to look at one that is very important and very difficult, and that is the thought of surrender. The thought of surrender. 
Uh, oftentimes, as we go throughout the will of God for our life, there are battles we're going to have to fight in order to reach the outcome. Remember the three things that we're looking at in this series. We have the outcome of what we should be striving for. We have the obstacle of what stands in our way. And then we have our obedience is what we must do in order to reach the outcome of what God desires for our life. And understand this, surrender plays a part in that. Now, this is important. There are going to be battles that we must fight on the road to the outcome of the will of God for our life. But believe it or not, there are going to be battles that have to be surrendered and things that have to be surrendered along the way in order for us to reach that outcome. I made myself a note today, and I'm going to share with you the note uh, that was for me. And if it's a blessing to you, uh, then let it be that. I fear too often we surrender in battles that we should fight, and then we fight in battles that we should surrender. So what do you mean by that? Well, in the road to the will of God for our life and on the road of the will of God for our life, as we journey toward the outcome, oftentimes we fight the wrong people and the wrong things. We talked about that Sunday night a week ago. And yet there are some things that we should surrender to. There are some things we should surrender over if we desire to reach the outcome. And tonight I believe verse number 11 is going to show us three things that we must surrender in order to grow in the gap. And I hope you'll take note of these things because they're not things that are going just to affect a few of us. They're going to affect all of us at some point in the will of God for our life. So go back to verse 11. Let's look at it together. We'll stay there most of the rest of the night. Uh, not tonight, but most of the rest of the service. Some of you just panicked. I could hear you gasp from here. Look at verse 11. He, the Bible says, speaking of God, hath made everything beautiful in his time. Now, first off, as we've done the last several weeks, we're going to look at the outcome, and the outcome is very obvious in this verse. Verse number 11, the Bible says, he hath made everything beautiful. And so that sounds just like God, doesn't it? I would not expect anything less of God than for God to begin preparing and be preparing an outcome for our lives that we achieve through fulfilling his will that is a beautiful outcome. But it may confuse you tonight, and it may startle you to realize that you must surrender to what is beautiful. And that's point number one I want to show you tonight. You must surrender to what is beautiful. You know, most things that have beauty, and I'll listen close and don't let your mind run too far when I make this statement, beauty is not accidental. Now, I know you probably look at me and Brother Brent and Brother Michael and Brother Heath and Brother John up here on the platform all the time, and you're thinking that we were just born that way. But truth of the matter is, beauty is by design and as a result of much effort. You look at this beautiful building that we're in here tonight and that you're looking at on screen. It's a beautiful building. I remember the old building and I see the remodel and all the work that went into it. And it's a beautiful building, but it's beautiful by design and effort. That's how it got to the, the shape that it's in. It did not get here on accident. And understand this, what God desires we reach in the outcome of the will of God for our life, it is beautiful, but it's not going to be accidental. It will be the result of design and effort. By the way, it's it's God's design and it's God's effort. Oftentimes I quote Genesis 1 where the Bible says that everything that God created was good or very good. I believe it's mentioned seven times in Genesis. Why was it good? Why was it beautiful? Because it was God's design and it was God's effort. By the way, could I just remind you of something that Holy Spirit reminded me of back in my office today? God did not require any of our opinions or any of our help to make everything good. Neither does he need our opinion or our help. 
So think about tonight, things that you have seen that are beautiful. As I get older, I take more appreciation in things of nature. I never thought that would happen. You know, people talk about how beautiful those flowers are and people actually taking vacations to go walk through gardens. I did not understand that. Why don't you want to go to a vacation where you can ride something and get near to the point of death on a roller coaster? Why would you want to go walk around flower gardens? But something's happening, Brother Michael. Something's happening in my psyche. He's shaking his head right now. Something's happening in my mind where I'm thinking I might just like to go walk around and look at the beauty of the flowers. And I've even lately stood at the kitchen sink a few extra moments, looked at the beautiful flowers. Someone gave my wife a hanging basket and the hummingbirds that like to come by. They're beautiful. Do you know why? Because they're God's design and they're God's effort. I've been by some yards lately where they're just so manicured and beautiful, just flat tops on the hedges, and the hedges just shaped so beautifully, and the flowers matched, and the, the yard was just so well manicured. Do you know that did not happen by accident? I even saw one the other day. It was the yard of the month. I didn't know there was a competition in this. So you start making competition and mix that up with my desire lately to look at flowers. We might have the yard of the month before too terribly long. We're going to get involved in all of this and try to win, win that yard sign for the month. How did they get that way? It was by design and by effort. You know, some folks, they put a lot of time in their hair. Uh, I do. I put a lot of time in my hair. Getting those 14, 15 hairs to lay down in just the right spot, it takes a lot of care and a lot of effort. So here's what I want to get at. Anything that is beautiful takes time and it takes effort and it's by design. But in order for us to reach that design of the desired beautiful outcome, it's going to require surrender. Do you know why someone was getting that beautiful yard in place and getting it just so that they could be voted in as the yard of the month? Do you know all of the time they were spending in their yard, they were surrendering other things? You see, in order to put the time into their yard, in order for me to put all the time that I put into my hair, I have to surrender time from something else. Therefore, if we desire the beautiful outcome that's at the end of fulfilling God's will for our life, we must understand that we must surrender to what is beautiful. And oftentimes, what we must surrender in order to find what is beautiful at the end of the will of God for our life is we have to surrender other things. Is that not what Mark chapter 4 and verse 19 tells us? We're talking about the sower, and the Bible talks about the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. What's the Bible saying there? The Bible's saying that the growth of one thing was strangled out by other things. You see, one came at the cost of the other. You could not have the seed growing up and producing fruit and becoming beautiful because of all of the other things that were there that crowded it out. You see, you've got to surrender one for the other. If you don't surrender the other things, then you are therefore surrendering over the beauty of what would come from the word of God springing up in your life. That's why beauty must be surrendered for if you want it. So we read here in verse number 11, the Bible says that God hath made everything beautiful. I like the emphaticness of that statement. Is that a word, emphaticness? We're going to call it if it is. I love how emphatic verse 11 is. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. God doesn't just dabble with this and is good at that and not so good at that. You know, there's some things that I'm good at and some things that I'm not good at. Uh, I was telling someone yesterday that I don't have any talent to draw. Uh, my daughter's been taking art lessons from uh, Miss Lapone, and uh, she's learning how to draw very well, but I did not have that talent to give her. I'm not good at that, but there's some things I'm good at. Do you know God is good at everything? 
And everything that God does is beautiful. But understand if we desire to have the outcome of what God says is beautiful, we must surrender other things to allow the things that God desires to be fulfilled in our life. We see it in the promised land. How often did God, through Moses, tell the children of Israel, there's a land flowing with milk and honey? What was he saying? Well, there's an okay place. I want you to live over there. No. He was saying there's a beautiful land over there. Why was it beautiful? Because he created it. He was preparing it for them. It's flowing with milk and honey. And he describes what is beautiful. Why? Because that's what he desired at the end of the will of his, his will for them to fulfill in the promised land. I think about how he called Abraham. He describes for Abraham. Abraham, here's what I want to do. Look, I want to make you the father of many nations and all. What is he doing? He's telling him about his beautiful plan. He's trying to tell Abraham, here's what I am preparing. Here's the outcome. He was trying to show them what he desired at the end of his will for their life. And it was beautiful. Same for Moses. Same for anyone that God called. What he has planned, the outcome is beautiful. But Abraham, Moses... Anybody else who was used of God in the word of God, you will find they had to surrender to what is beautiful. Moses had to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He surrendered that. Why? Because he wanted what was beautiful, what God was preparing at the end of his will for his life. Brother Brent mentioned a moment ago that I think yesterday was yesterday the official day. A year, yesterday was exactly a year. Mother's Day uh, last year was the first Sunday that I preached here as pastor. And um, now I'm going to go ahead and say beauty is a lot about perspective. It's in the eye of the beholder. So I'm going to tell you what's beautiful about it from my side. It may not be beautiful from, from the members of Central Baptist side, but it's beautiful from my side. Yesterday afternoon, my wife, my daughter, and I, we sat on the back porch together just kind of reminiscing about the past year. And how obviously just you know, a little over a year ago, we never thought we'd be here. And this is what God's will was for our life. And I think about this church and how much this church meant to me as a kid growing up. And I admired the men of God that stood behind the pulpit and evangelists that would come through here. And how my heart was stirred in this building. And now we sit on the porch yesterday talking about the goodness of God and the blessings of God in our life. And how from my perspective, it's been a beautiful story of how God has allowed me the privilege to pastor this church. Now, from your perspective, maybe not so beautiful, but from my my perspective. What a beautiful picture. Do you know why? Because God did it. The Bible says he makes all things beautiful in his time. It made me wonder this afternoon why so often we run from him. If he makes everything beautiful, why do we run from him? I'm, I'm raising my hand. It's like Matthew 6.33. Why does he continually have to convince me of Matthew 6.33? Because I know he makes all things, everything beautiful in his time. Why do we run from his word? Why do we want to run from church? Why do we look forward to getting out of here? Why? Because what God does in his house through his word, it's going to be beautiful. Why do we run for that? Why do we look forward to getting out of church? Why? Look, if we let God work and do what he desires, he says he makes everything beautiful. I think about old Jonah. You know, it's a beautiful picture. One man walking into a heathen city, preaching repentance. And I don't think he was doing it, uh, I don't think he was doing it very, very kindly. I think he was just preaching the straight up word of God. And an entire city repenting. That's beautiful. And yet Jonah ran from that. Jonah says, I, I don't want what God says is going to be beautiful. He, I want what I want. And boy, he jumped in that boat and there's the whale and all of that. He was running from what was beautiful. We run from God. We're running from what is beautiful. Therefore, you've got to surrender to what is beautiful. Oftentimes, I have tried to do things, and they have been very underwhelming. 
Every once in a while, I'll try to cook something. I'll have a recipe or a new project, and it will turn out underwhelming. Do you realize God has never done something that was underwhelming? Everything God has done has always been overwhelming. Wouldn't you love to have been, I want to say, a fly on the wall, but there were no walls. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly in space when he created the world? When he just spoke, boom, and there it was. I mean, overwhelming, seeing the goodness and the greatness of God and how he created all that he did. Now, folks, this is what God desires to do in our life. He desires to do what is good and what will be beautiful, but we can't run from that. We've got to surrender to that. My opinion, I'll give you this. We looked at Joseph in one of our Bible studies last week. By the way, I've taken this week off of our Bible studies. I have a lot of preparing things to do this week. And so we just take the week off of our devotion time. But one of the most beautiful uh, stories in all of Scripture, in my opinion, is the story of Joseph. I don't know that you're going to find. Matter of fact, I think it's probably made for TV script. Just how beautiful the story of Joseph is. I mean, it is a cliffhanger all the way to the end. And when he reveals to his brothers who he is, you just sit back there and say, boy, that's neat. That, that was pretty neat. You know why? It's beautiful because God did that. Look at the story of Esther and just how matter of fact, there just so happened to be someone in a position of power with the ear to the king who could deliver her people. Just coincidence after coincidence. No, it's beautiful. Why? Because that's what God does if we let him write the story. I look at the story of Job, and there are times when Job's story is not beautiful. But you see, when you get to the outcome, the outcome of Job is beautiful. When you see what God was doing through all of that. But you'll see in every case, one of the things that Joseph and Job and Esther, they all had in common was they had to surrender to that. What did Esther say? If I perish, I perish. That's surrender. She was surrendering her will and her desire for what God was going to do. Beautiful. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What is Job saying? I'm surrendering to what's going to be beautiful. They couldn't see it, but they trusted God was the one that was making it. And they knew that everything that God made was going to be beautiful. Think about Caleb tonight, Joshua chapter 14. Well, the early parts of that journey out of Egypt were neat, but that midsection, that gap... I mean, that gap that they were in, waiting for all of those hard-headed folks to really just to drop dead, that was tough. Yet we see uh, Joshua chapter 14, Caleb says, now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. Wonder how wonderful it was for old Caleb to come up to his spot and his mountain, finally get to the outcome of what he had been looking for. You see, he didn't know how long it was going to be before he got there, but he knew God was the one writing this script. And by the time he reached the outcome, it was going to be beautiful. There's something I want our church to know tonight. God's not done doing beautiful things. You know, sometimes we run out of good ideas and sometimes we run out of resources, but God never runs out of resources. But what God does run out of, listen, is surrendered people to do beautiful things through. Listen, God's not going to run out of beautiful resources. God's not going to run out of beautiful power to do beautiful things. But what God does run out of is people like Esther and Caleb and Joshua and Job who will surrender to what God is going to do that is beautiful. Now, folks, I desire God to do something to my life and to my family, but understand there is an element of surrender. As we walk the road of the will of God for our life, if we desire to reach the outcome, which God does is beautiful, we're going to have to surrender. I looked up the word beautiful and all the different uh, definitions and meanings in the lexicon, and one of the meanings is pleasant or tuneful. It literally means as one that is tuning something to get the sound exactly right. 
wasn't too long ago, I was sitting in my office, and I heard someone playing the piano, and they weren't doing a very good job in the fellowship hall. Uh, it was pretty horrible. I was thinking, don't you know a better song than that? It was just dong, 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 dong. And I'm thinking, man, I just, you know, I just was trying to get the, get the groove to what he was playing, but I never could get the tune. Realized it was with Trevor tuning the piano. And he was in there, dong, 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 dong. And I'm thinking, good night, man. You know, you, you may not, you, that may not be your gift. You might better find something else. You know, try art or something, you know, chainsaw carving or something. But I just told him that piano is your thing. I went in there and looked and saw what it was. He was tuning that piano. And there's no sound. I think our pianists would agree with that. There's no sound like a finely tuned piano where every note has been gotten in the exact spot and how beautiful that music is. Why? It's been tuned. It's beautiful. And when you look at that word beautiful, it means finely tuned. And oh, how often in our life, God comes along, he tries to tune us. He says, man, you're, you kind of sound flat or you're a little bit off key or you ever watch an old Western and that, that pianos in the old Westerns, they're just horrible. I mean, people shooting them up all the time. That's probably why they were horrible, but they just sound bad. Man, he's like, well, it's just kind of a honky-tonk sound and I know none of you like that or you better not like that. And it just sounds, why? It's out of tune. It needs somebody to come in there and tweak it a little bit and tune it a little bit. And once it gets tuned, it's beautiful. Why? Because the work was allowed to be done. We must allow God to do his work in our life. We must surrender to what is beautiful. Now look down at verse number 11. I'll give you the second thing real quick. We're growing in the gap and we're doing that through surrender. Look at verse 11. The Bible says he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Now I hope there's at least a stirring desire for you to want what is beautiful. I hope that. I hope that in preaching the first point of this message tonight. That the Holy Spirit of God has stirred your heart just a little bit where you desire the outcome that is beautiful. That you desire what God is trying to tune up in your life. So I hope everybody's on board, all right? Now let's see how we get there. And after we get on board, the first stop is the first three words of verse 11. This is our obstacle. The Bible says he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Notice how things got beautiful. They got beautiful because he hath made it that way. The second thing tonight we must surrender to is we must surrender to let him make it. If we desire what is beautiful, we must surrender to let him make it. Now, see the implications here. It means it must remain in his hands. He is the maker. I learned just a few weeks ago, that's a new term today, that if you make anything, you are a maker. And so I make things all the time. I make messes and I make troubles. Evidently, I am a maker as well. I'm going to put that, uh, when you guys fire me, I'm going to put that in my next application, that I am a maker. All right? Now watch this. God is the maker of what is beautiful. But if we desire the outcome, we must overcome the obstacle. And the obstacle is to keep our hands off of it. Keep it in the hands of the maker. You see, you cannot, listen, you can't separate the product from the producer. You know, everybody wants the product. Everybody wants what's beautiful, but they want to do things their, their way. And then when it's all said and done and they've messed everything up, they want to trade in their messes for what God says is beautiful. But God's desire was to make it beautiful through the course of their life. And then we miss out. Why? Because we did not surrender to let him make it. By the way, can I tell you something tonight that all bakers, not all bakers, no, I'm going to talk about bakers in a minute. All, it always goes back to food, doesn't it? All makers are not the same. The Bible says that he maketh all things beautiful. He hath made everything beautiful. The other day, this is where I was thinking about baking. I went to the store. I was craving brownies. 
And I'm a fudgy type brownie guy. I'm not a cake, cake brownie guy. I'm a fudgy brownie guy. And I found that you put one less egg and you get it fudgy that way, Brother Michael. You can write that down for a good tip from the pulpit tonight. And I got to the aisle at Dollar General and I usually get the Betty Crocker. I didn't realize that's what I always get, but I realized that when I got there and the red box was not there, but the blue box was. And I thought brownies are brownies, right? You know, brownies are brownies. And so I got the Pillsbury instead of the Betty Crocker, and I went home and cooked them up. And, you know, brownies are all the same, but I realized they're not. Uh, no offense to Pillsbury, and please don't sue us for uh, throwing shade at you tonight, but a Pillsbury brownie and a, and a, and a Betty Crocker brownie are, are just not the same. Even though they had the same thing on there and it looked like the same thing on the box, they did not taste the same, even though they claimed to be the same thing. And you see, we started with the wrong thing the other night. We started with Pillsbury instead of Betty Crocker, and what you start with is going to have a direct reflection of what you end with in the end product. And if we desire the end product of what is beautiful, we've got to start with God. That's why the Bible says, in the beginning, God, and then it says, it was good. Notice that, the beginning, God, and good. That's the process. What you initiate and what you start with is going to have a lot of the, it's going to be dependent upon what you end up with. And a lot of times we end up with knockoffs. It's beautiful, but it's only beautiful momentarily. Kind of like the church at Laodicea. Uh, I mentioned it Sunday morning. I want you to turn there with me right quick. Revelation 3. And I want you to see this for yourself. Our expectation is going to be dependent upon what we start with. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 17, Jesus says this of the church. I am rich and increased with goods. This is their testimony and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He's telling them in verse number 17, they got ripped off is what he's telling them. And he charges them this in verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. What is he saying? He's saying, well, you've ended up the way you've ended up because you did not go after the real thing. You went after a knockoff, if you will, a counterfeit. And so what we've got to understand here is we've got to surrender to let God make it and let God be the one who puts together the desired outcome of what is beautiful because not all outcomes are created equal. And the test of that is in how long the beauty lasts. I don't know about you, but I want something that has a lasting beauty, not just a temporary beauty. We see the story of the prodigal son. I'm sure that there were times when the prodigal son was with his friends, drinking up his inheritance and living up his inheritance. I'm sure there were times that the prodigal son would probably say, this is beautiful. This is great. This is what I want. This is enjoyable. This is something what I've been looking for. But the problem was that beauty did not last as we see him there in the hog slop and the mire and just looking around realizing that it was a counterfeit. God did not make this beauty. This was all of his own. We look at Jonah and Jonah was asleep in the ship. And I'm sure some of those moments of sleep that Jonah had was probably good sleep. But it didn't last very long. I look at Samson. How Samson was living it up and enjoying it. I'm sure there were times he thought this is beautiful, but it was not to last. Why? Because God was not the maker of what was beautiful. So in order to have what God says is beautiful, he has to be the maker. In order for him to be the maker, you must surrender to take your hands off of it. It's like the old phrase, too many cooks in the kitchen. 
Uh, I understand that from personal experience. When my wife is cooking, she does not like me to do two things. Well, there's a lot of things she doesn't like me to do, but particularly when she's cooking, she does not like me to take lids off of things. Something about rice, not cooking all the way, and if you open the oven, something's going to fall. I'm not sure how all of that works out, but she's pretty, pretty tooky about that kind of stuff. You know, she doesn't like that, and she doesn't like me to come in there and sample it and say, you know what, it needs a hint of this and a pinch of this. She doesn't like it when I begin improvising with her recipes. What is she telling me? Hands off. You know, it's kind of like when you're, when you're a kid and you're about to do something you're not supposed to, and your mom gives that unmistakable, ah, you know? And to this day, my mom could do it, and I just, chills would go down my spine hearing that. Just, ah, you know, you're supposed to keep your hands off of it. Leave it alone. And is that not the case, what we do as we desire good things in our life? We start messing with it. God says, leave it alone. Let me make it. Surrender your hands. Put your hands behind your back. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't say anything. Just let me be the maker. Surrender yourself to let me make what I desire to be the beautiful outcome in your life. And yet we start looking over God's shoulder. Say, God, I just want to give you a pinch of my opinion. Like God needs our opinion. Remember, he made a perfect world without any of us offering our advice. Or maybe I just want to add a smidge of my desire. God, I want what is beautiful, and I think it'll make it just perfect if you let me add just a pinch of my opinion and just a smidge of my desire. God says, leave it alone. God says, I'll make all things beautiful in my time. Surrender over. Surrender to what is beautiful, and the obstacle is surrendering to let him make it. Leave it alone. God does not need our help. We see Adam and Eve, boy, God had created something beautiful. Beautiful world, eternal life, a perfect world. No coronavirus, no quarantines, no mask. And yet Adam and Eve could not keep their hands off of it. They come along and they see the fruit that they know they're not supposed to have. And Eve just thought about it and Eve thought, you know, that would just be like the cherry on top of a, an old-fashioned banana split. These new things today, they're just not much of a banana split. I'm talking about a real one that was in the boat and the syrup and all that. Got to stay on track, right? Stay on track. And Eve just thought herself, if I had that, if I just had that knowledge and could be like God, oh, it would just be beautiful. And she could not help and she put her hands in it, and she messed it up. And he messed it up. Why? Because they couldn't stay surrendered. Just keep your hands off of it. Let God be the maker. I think about David. Mm. What a story. What a storyline that God had going in the life of David. Took him from the sheep folds, caring for the sheep, and killed a giant, and man after God's own heart, and... Ooh, it is trending toward beautiful. He's on his way there. And somewhere along the way, David sees something over on the rooftop. And he thought, you know what? I need that. God says, no, everything you need is right here in the path of my will. Stay on this path. Surrender that. You don't need that. Surrender that. Like Eve, surrender that. You don't need that. Just, hey, let me make it. Let me make it. And yet David says, you know, I've got to have just, I've got to have that. And so David took what God said no and what does the Bible tell about the testimony of David that he walked with God and obeyed God and everything except the matter of Uriah the Hittite? David had to go in there and mess it up. Why? He couldn't stay surrendered to let God make it. 
God makes everything beautiful in his time, but you've got to surrender for that. I want to surrender that God's going to make it in my life. I'm going to keep my hands off of it because as soon as we put our hands onto it, we have already lessened the value. That's why Proverbs chapter 23, verse 36 says, my son, give me thine heart. God says, just give it to me. You know what that is? When you give, you're surrendering that. My son, give me thine heart. Give it to me. Listen, don't think that you can do better with your heart than I can. My son, give me thine heart. Why? Goes on to say in verse number 36, and let thine eyes observe my ways. My ways. Give me your heart. Surrender it over and let your eyes observe my ways. Can I tell you what God's ways are? They're beautiful. If we'll just surrender our way and give him our heart to let him do what he desires in our life. And yet that obstacle of surrendering to let him make it is a difficult one. Oftentimes around graduation, there's a verse that's quoted, it's a verse that's put in cards, and if you don't have a good scripture to put in your graduation card, yet I don't think it's going to give you one. If you haven't already, Jeremiah 29, 11. We know it well. Somewhere in our, in our house, there's a canvas with that verse uh, painted on it. Someone gave it to us as a going away gift uh, one time. Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen closely. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Now listen closely for, here's what God's saying, I know the thoughts that I think for you. What is that? God says, I got my plans. God says, I've got my plan, and my plan's going to be beautiful. The Bible says, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. What's the expected end? Well, we can expect a beautiful end when we walk and live according to his thoughts and what he thinks and what he knows. What did he say? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. God says, I have, listen, I have thoughts. I'm thinking them toward you, and it's going to give you an expected end, but you've got to surrender your thoughts, and you've got to surrender what you think, and Lord have mercy. That's one of the hardest things in the world to do, to surrender what I think in my opinion, in my desires, to let God make in my life what he desires to do. The expected end and that beautiful outcome is only what God can do. He's the only one. He has, listen, he has beautiful patented. God is the inventor of what is beautiful, but he must be the one that makes it. So number two, we must surrender to let him make it. Surrender to take our hands off. Then go back to verse number 11. We've seen the outcome. We've seen the obstacle. Now let's look at the obedience. What does the Bible say? He hath made everything beautiful when... In his time. In his time. So we're looking at the obedience here, and we've already seen what he makes, and we've seen how he makes it, but now we need to see when he makes it, because that's where the obedience is at. The Bible says, in his time. The third thing, we must surrender to grow in the gap, to reach that beautiful outcome. We must surrender to his time. We must surrender to his time. Can I tell you something that dawned on me today? There's a common denominator in happy endings. You ready? Write write this down. You're going to want to quote me on this. There's a common denominator for happy endings. You usually have to wait to the ending to find the happy. Now let that register just for a second. My wife's mind is blown. I can see it right now. It's just a look of flabbergastedness at my wisdom right now. A common denominator between happy endings is you usually have to wait to the ending to find the happy. I love happy endings. I don't like these sad movies. You people that like to sit on the couch and cry while you're watching a movie, I don't know how you can consider that entertainment. I really don't. I like happy endings. 
I like, we were watching a Western the other day, one of those old black and white Westerns, and those old black and white Westerns, they just cut it off right at the ending. I mean, they didn't taper it off or fade off. It was just all right. He saved the girl, and then the credits appear on the screen. But I like a happy ending. And God's showing us here that there is a beautiful outcome, whether it's on this earth or in the life to come, there is a beautiful outcome for the people of God if they'll surrender to keep their hands off and let him do it in his time. I want to tell you something. I am an American, right? I, that was an easy amen right there. If you've always been waiting to have your first amen, that was an easy one. Just a note there. I'm trying to help you out. So when we get back in here, you know when the amen, all right? So I'm an American, and I'm thankful to be an American. And I tell my daughter all the time, uh, my daughter says, oh, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. And uh, I says, listen, we are Americans, not Americans. And let's just step up there and let's get the job done. I mean, we conquered the West, and we're the, the people that built cities, and we're the people that had that pioneering spirit, and man, it doesn't matter what stands in our way, we are Americans, and we're going to get it done. And sometimes, faith requires of us to let God and wait on him. And man, I'm just kind of guy, hey, let's just get the job done. If you don't want to do it, I'll get the job done, and I'll do it now. But sometimes, faith requires us to let God and wait on him. And that's where the obedience comes in. If you'll notice Ecclesiastes 3, we read all of these verses beginning in verse number 1 all the way down through verse number 8. How many times was the word time mentioned over and over again? What's the Bible showing us? There's a time for everything. You see, God's a God of order. That's why our world hates him. Because order means rules and order means structure. In verse number 2, verse 1 through verse number 8, the word time is mentioned over and over and over again. What is it telling us? There's a time for everything. And beautiful has a time. Do you want to bake those brownies? Believe it or not, and I know you're probably going to take my man card for this, but I follow the instructions. But there's some things you can mess up and that it's okay to throw caution to the wind. You know, your 3,000-mile oil chains, you know, 3,001 is not going to kill you. But fudgy brownies have got to be just right. And so I follow the instructions on the back of the box. It tells me what to put in there, what not to put in there. Uh, it tells me what kind of a pan to use, whether it's a dark pan, a glass pan, or to grease it. I'm not sure how all of those things work. And then it shows me baking times. And man, you're looking at 30 minutes, 35 minutes for, for a pan of brownies. But some in the little pan, they take a, a shorter baking time. Some of the bigger pans, it's a longer baking time, and so on and so forth. So if I desire to get the premium product of that fudgy brownie. We're just around the edge. It's a little bit crunchy. But the, the more you get toward the center, it becomes gooey. And it really won't even stand up when you hold it. It's just going to fall. That's the perfect brownie, okay? Some of you folks, I'm not sure if you knew that. But I just wanted to share that with you tonight. That's, that's a perfect brownie. And if you want it to be just perfect in the way that it was intended to be, you've got to bake it for that proper bake time and follow those instructions. Now, beautiful has a proper time. If we want things that are beautiful, we must follow the proper time. And what is the proper time for what's beautiful? You surrender to his time. You surrender to his time. If you were to ask Job, Job would have told you in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it would have been beautiful if it was over then. God, this would be beautiful if you'd let this in right now. God, I don't enjoy this. This doesn't feel good. Just please let this be over. But Job would have 40 more chapters before God would make it beautiful. But God made it beautiful in his time. I think about Joseph and that beautiful story of Joseph. Boy, what a happy, beautiful ending that was. And how often Job, uh, Joseph just had to surrender and surrender and surrender. And he had to wait through multiple disasters. We know the story. I'm not going to repeat it all. But God made it beautiful in his time. 
You see, Joseph just wrote it out. I'm just going to wait on God's time. And what a beautiful picture. Why? Imagine if Joseph had bailed out. He'd missed out on the finished product of what God desired to be beautiful. Caleb had to wait out so many detractors and naysayers. You know, sometimes you just have to wait till your competition and your detractors die off. But finally, when, when, uh, when Caleb stood there at the foot of his mountain, he looked up at his mountain. What a beautiful story. Why? Because he was surrendered to God's time. Joseph, Job, Esther, Caleb, Joshua, Abraham, Moses. Look at all of those who God used to do something beautiful. And they were all those who had the common denominator of people that surrendered to God's time. If we desire God to do something beautiful in our life, we must be willing to trust him for what and how and when. So what is God desiring to do in our life and in our church, even in our nation? Well, God's desiring to do something beautiful. But understand, if you want what's beautiful, if you want to look back and see what God was doing through the difficult times, you're going to have to surrender to that. And I'm going to surrender other things. Other things that are going to distract me and distract me away from what is beautiful, I'm going to surrender those. Why? Because I want the outcome that is beautiful. Not only that, you're going to have to surrender, let God make it. You're going to have to surrender to let God make it. God, I want to keep my hands off of it. How often do we want to jump in there and give God just a pinch of this and a smidge of that? God says, leave it alone. I know it's beautiful, and I'll make it beautiful. Leave it alone. Surrender to let him make it. And then the last thing is surrender to his time. Sometimes that's the toughest thing to do. It's nothing. Leave it alone and let God make it what he desires it to be. But you see, it's that testimony. I'll say this and I'm done. It's the testimony of what's beautiful that gives God the glory. When people see that beautiful story and they see what God was doing and how God was working through difficult times. I've got a lot of friends right now going through difficult times. And right now, it's not very pretty. But we have an assurance that he's going to make all things beautiful in his time. And you'll look back after all is said and done and you'll see what he was working on. So tonight... It's my prayer that our church grow in this gap. We're somewhere between where we started and where we need to finish. And you're going to get out here and you're going to desire to have what's beautiful, but you're going to have to realize you're going to have to surrender some things. You're going to have to surrender other things. You're going to have to surrender to leave it alone and surrender to let God do it when God desires to do it. So tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to stop there with our heads bowed.